You are listening to John DeYard's Life Spa, your premier source for health news in Ayurveda, where modern science meets ancient wisdom. Hi, everyone. Welcome to LifeSpa.com. I'm Dr. John DeYard, and welcome to our podcast, Life Spa Ayurveda, where ancient wisdom meets modern science. So um, this month's podcast is all about Ayurveda for a healthy family. And I hope you really like this. It's really based on the, the link between Ayurvedic medicine and Nobel Prize winning circadian medicine. Um, and for those of you who watch this video, you're gonna have access to a free ebook. We put together about a 75 page, really beautifully color laid out ebook uh, to kind of go through this whole process of understanding your life um, as a child, as a teenager, and even into adulthood, and the circadian rhythms and the Ayurvedic principles that go along with each section of your life. I think it's going to be really cool. Um, today, today's podcast, I want to go over, you know, the highlights of it, give you sort of an overview, but just so you know that you'll have access to a whole free ebook that you can read and have as a guide for supporting your family and the health of your family, you know, going forward. Also, there's a bonus uh, kind of Ayurvedic for a healthy family uh, CD, uh, audio tape or audio audio um, that you can download and listen to as well. Uh, so I hope you enjoy that. Um, also, uh, starting tomorrow, uh, for those of you who are interested, we're actually uh, is the first day of registering registering for our free question your digestion training series. Um, this is a training series they did about giving people all the information that they need to know to how to help reboot and strengthen and troubleshoot their own digestive system. It's a four-part series, tons and tons of information, really beautifully done with a green screen and, and highlights. So it's sort of an educational format, makes it easy to follow. Uh, and the registration for that starts tomorrow. And that's free. It's a wealth of information, as we always try to do here at LifeSpot, try to give the knowledge away for free um, the best that we can. And uh, this is a really amazing course, a wealth of information for you guys to learn how to troubleshoot your own digestive system and you know take back your health, particularly since our health and our bugs and our microbes all start in digestion. So, so please um, stay tuned for that. Um, you guys can, uh, along the way in this uh, podcast, you guys can text in your questions and I'll be tuning into those as we go as well. So here we go, let's dig in here. Um, you know, in the... Uh, in the um, it, the way it works in in uh, hang on one second uh, the way it works in in uh, Ayurvedic medicine is um, that we start in you know in pregnancy and um, of course it works everywhere um, and the the book starts with pregnancy being you know the first thing that we have to understand and and understanding that um, some of the rules about pregnancy you know mother needs to be, to get pregnant, needs to be in a place where they're in a stress-free nesting environment. I can't tell you how many women come to me for uh, infertility issues. Over the years, I, I don't claim to be infertility specialist by any means, but I do and have seen many, many patients over the years. And I've found that the one thing that I see across the board, maybe that's why I got so many referrals, is because I help women kind of nest and take the stress away from their lifestyle, so their nervous system feels like it's safe to actually, you know, carry a baby, which is a very vulnerable time for the baby and for the mother. Uh, they can't run away from a threat nearly as fast. And how important it is for them to be in a safe, non-stressful environment. 
they're working 80, 90 hours a week trying to finish their PhD and getting pregnant at the same time with lots and lots of stress. It just seems to be kind of a crazy time to be thinking about a baby. I think that having a baby, a lot of, a lot of moms and dads and families normally think, you know, we'll have the baby in, in, in you know, next March or next January or something. And we have all this time before the baby comes to get ready. And I always suggest that probably really better for you to think about once you get pregnant and start getting pregnant, that's when they act as if the baby's there and create that space that you were creating for the baby in nine months way earlier, because that creates an environment for the baby to grow, for the baby to uh, for the baby to feel safe and secure. There's all kinds of research, you know, in Ayurvedic medicine, we talk about, you know, allowing the mom to crave the things that we need. The science tells us now that we, we moms are literally, the bugs in your gut are literally craving what they need. And when you're pregnant, it's a whole different chemistry. So we got to trust that. Balancing your vata, which is your nervous system, uh, which includes living and being in a very sattvic environment. And, you know, that means a stress-free environment filled with love and peace and calm and joy. Those kinds of things are, are critically important. Giving yourself daily Ayurvedic massage. We now know that the oil that you put on your skin as a daily massage is actually feeding the microbiology, which is a, which is a layer of protective microbes to protect you from onslaught, uh, onslaught of other undesirable bugs. So keeping your skin lubricated, not only does it calm your nervous system because the oil dampens your sensory nervous system experience, but the feeding of the microbes creates a layer of microbial protection that also sends messages epigenetically through our genetic code to tell us, hey guys, this is cool, life is safe, the body is in a safe nesting place and maybe a good time to have a baby. In, in the ebook, I take you through strategies for, for uh, you know, um, for um, morning sickness and things like that. So you can go to that for more information. Um, we also know that, that during pregnancy is a really important time because it's stressful. It's a very stressful time, it, it, you know, and, and, you know, particularly if you're not in the nesting mode. And we know that stress can be carried on for generations. Um, studies show that, that when we're under, like in the Great Depression, they've done studies and they found that the people who experience that pass the genes of stress, which include diabetes and obesity, into their offspring, even for a couple of generations down the road. There's one big study with rabbits where they had the rabbit, they poked them with a little poker, and every time they got poked, they smelled pepper, peppermint oil. And uh, so they quickly then became afraid of the peppermint oil. And what happened was over time, the rabbits got afraid of the peppermint oil, even when they weren't being poked. Then the rabbits grew up and had babies, and then let the babies grow up, and then they gave the babies a smell of peppermint oil, and they were quickly afraid of the peppermint oil as well without even being poked. So we pass these stressful situations on as part of our genetic survival kind of entrainment. We need that passing on of genetic material, whether it be uh, vertical from moms to babies to offspring or what's now called horizontal where we pass this information on genetically in a, in, from microbe to microbe to us. So this is something called horizontal transfer of genes or lateral transfer where the genetic material from the bugs which feel everything when they go inside of our gut I'll pass that genetic material onto the bugs in our gut who pass that on to uh, our nervous system. 
in our genetic code to tell us, hey guys, there's some weird mutated genes from pesticides that are on the food you're eating now. And we're gonna let a few of those go through to let everybody know, you better sort of gear up for that because we're getting more and more of this kind of mutated gene that gets horizontally transferred from the bugs from the food to your bugs, to your genetic code. So this also happens with stress. And Ayurvedic talked to them about, talked about those as some scars, emotional impressions that get passed on from mother to baby. And, uh, and how we can break some of those emotional some scars by creating a safe, really safe sattvic environment during the pregnancy and how critical that is, surrounding by love and kindness and joy and peace and calm. Think of it as the, the creating the eye of the storm or the inside, maybe a lot of crazy stuff going around in, your, in, the, in the world around us today, but inside you're in this little cocoon of peace and calm and how, how important that is. Um, so that's something, you know, uh, very, very important. Other studies show that, that um, meditation can actually hack over 2,500 of our own genes. In other words, meditation, which is a great thing to do when you're pregnant, and even as a mom when you're nursing, is so important because it actually upregulates positive genes and helps your genes not express negative traits, which is crazy that meditation can do that. I wrote an article not too long ago, you guys might want to read. Um, it's still in the recent section on my homepage at lifespa.com where they, where, you know, I talk about the, how meditation can, um, can, can upregulate positively influence over 2,500 of our genes. And I'm going like, wait a minute, you know, things that change our genetic code have, are things that we've done for thousands of years, you know, more commonly. You know, the Northern Europeans can drink milk because they drank milk for thousands of years and they ended up being able to, to break, have to keep the enzyme that breaks down milk lactase, called lactase persistence, way after they've been weaned off of the milk, the mother's milk, so they could drink milk into their adult life. It's a genetic expression for us to be able to continue to digest that milk, but it took thousands of years for that to happen. So how does meditation hack, change, upregulate positive, you know, the support the genes in a positive way? We're 2,500 of them. So the idea was, did is meditation sort of a biohack for thousands of years of us doing something meditation-like, which is what Ayurvedic medicine talked about, like, over and over and over again, we talk about a sophic lifestyle, we're talking about a peaceful, calm, loving, joyful, giving, generous, caring lifestyle, as opposed to a, a money-motivated, driven, push-push-shove-shove, and violent kind of, you know, lifestyle that we often have today, busy, busy, nine-hour week, you know, work weeks and things like that. So when you look at nature, which I want to talk about, it's also in this ebook, one of the disorders we have in our culture today is called the nature deficiency disorder, which is that people don't get in nature enough. In Japan, for example, there's four of 62 forests and studies based on that, suggesting that when you go into nature, we change. Nature is peaceful. It's calm. Think of the silence of a pine forest, the, the peace and quiet of a mountain valley. These are things that we entrain, I believe, for millions of years or thousands of years, however you want to look at it. 
but we entrain the ability to respond in a physiological way to those. And then when 2,000 years ago, when people started coming into you know, meditation or 5,000 years ago, whenever civilization started, there's lots of debate on that. But when they did start, there was a huge contrast between the life that people lived when they lived in the wilderness, out in the forest, and then when they came into these rural cities. Very, very stressful, you know, oftentimes, you know, a lot of bad things happen in some of those early civilizations. So early seers, maybe the Ayurvedic doctors, maybe thought that, hmm, what if we could sort of use meditate and use meditation as a way to replicate what we desperately need from a health perspective, from a genetic perspective, which is the silence of nature. And by closing your eyes, we hack the same genes that living in a very peaceful environment nature did for us. And maybe even meditation or prayer for that matter would actually hack the same benefits, maybe even in a supercharged way, because prayer has been shown in study after study to be incredibly effective. Meditation has been shown to, again, hack, you know, support the benefits of over 2,500 genes, lengthen your telomeres, make you live longer. Prayer has been shown to do many things as well. So are we looking at that prayer and meditation as sort of civilization's way of getting us the silence of nature? Anyway, it's a really interesting article, food for thought article. But the point here is that when you're pregnant, that meditation becomes in prayer. Whatever it is that you do to be silent and to be still allows that to happen. This allows the baby to entrain rhythms, circadian rhythms. And this is something that we want our baby to do. Studies show that the mother's voice can be discerned by the baby. They can tell if it's mom's voice or another female voice. They can definitely tell um, that when uh, when they when they hear mom's voice versus another mother's voice, that the mom's voice will actually increase oxytocin, the longevity health hormone. They even showed that that um, that mom's voice is as effective as boosting oxytocin, a phone call even as. Uh, would be a hug. So we all know that, we don't all know this, but what many studies have been done when people hug each other, when a mom hugs their child, whether it be a teenager, as this study was done, and the mom hugged the teenager, there was oxytocin, the longevity hormone was produced. But a phone call actually produced just the same amount of oxytocin. Mom's voice can go a long way. So the babies are picking up on things that are really, really subtle. In an Ayurvedic medicine, the most subtle things are the most powerful things. So we think, oh, what is a peaceful lifestyle? I have to do with anything. Well, it turns out that our bugs respond to a peaceful, loving lifestyle. They send messages to our brain, who tells everybody in our body that it's safe to, to, to function in a non-emergency repair fashion. And this is the, the new understanding of the science. We have a hard science to show that when you stress yourself out, the bugs respond to that in a negative, degenerative way. And the new science is showing just the opposite as well. So, so the idea that, that these bugs are feeling everything is extremely real now. And we have to recognize that. And Ayurveda talked about the microbes in our guts thousands of years ago called crimi. crimi and these crimi bugs were something they talked about. And they talked about lifestyle modifications to support the health of a good stable of good internal microbes. So pretty pretty powerful. In the ebook, we also talk about vaccinations. 
I give you some ideas there about how to navigate that. Huge topic, definitely where you need to get educated. I give you some really awesome links to go to in the ebook. So that's all for free for you guys to get that. And you can go from there. The other thing with kids is kids are, as your kids are starting to grow up a little bit. Um, uh, and I should also talk about, you know, the bugs and the microbes, breastfeeding versus non-breastfeeding. There's some pretty amazing research on, on, on breastfeeding. And it shows that, of course, when that 700 different microbes, beneficial microbes are found in breast milk. And that when a, a um, mother has a planned C-section, that they produce significantly less of this microbial diversity for the baby during nursing. But if it's an emergency C-section where the mother actually did go into labor, then those bugs are actually there, which makes you really wonder. So the labor produces hormones that support these bugs. So it's not just the C-section, it's the act of going into labor that supported that. So uh, breastfeeding is very, very important, but it's also really important to know that a lot of us weren't breastfed uh, therefore, it isn't, you know, curtains for us who, who didn't get breastfed. It just means, you know, most of us have wiped out our, our, our bugs using antibiotics over the years as well. So I think that, that that's where we, at LifeSpa and Ayurveda, we talk about strategies to help to repopulate the environment uh, with good, healthy microbes. And that's where it was really interesting, I thought, when I read the, the science or the, the, the ancient writings about the Krimi, the ancient bugs in Ayurveda, they talked about fixing the microbiology by changing the environment, which is so cool, because what we still do today is we just kill bugs. You know, you have SIBO, we give you a refaction, we try to kill it with one different type of new creative antibiotic or a very aggressive, you know, uh, herb uh, or nutraceutical that will take out the, the bad bugs that are there. When it's really about creating an environment that supports that. We, you know, new research that I recently wrote about that I was fascinated by was how neem, once called the village pharmacy, to cure everything, right, actually works at this incredible, profound level by taking away biofilm. Good bio, good bugs and bad bugs produce biofilms that allow the bugs to proliferate uh, unfettered, and they can stay in their little safe haven and then wreak havoc or ir irritate the gut as they like, but the name rips away the biofilm and creates sort of free trade, globalization, where everybody is now on an even playing field with the good bugs can actually really do their job and take over and support the gut immunity. So again, you know, Ayurveda was so about this idea of creating the environment, Neem, the queen of the skin, supports the health integrity of the intestinal skin, taking away biofilm for good and bad to allow the body to do its natural job and not let these bugs do sort of what they want to do, which is isolate and protect their, their own kind, which is uh, not so wonderful on the macrocosm or on the, or the microcosm. It's sort of uh, very interesting. So, so within Ayur in Ayurvedic medicine, what we do here is we give you herbs like uh, to, to heal and repair your intestinal skin. One of the herbs you can read about on my website is Slippery Elm Prebiotic. With slippery elm, marshmallow, and licorice root, we boil it down and make a very thick, viscous tea, and we coat your whole intestinal tract like the Pepto Bismol commercial and coat the whole thing with this prebiotic slime. Then we give you colonizing probiotics, ones that have been proven to adhere to the intestinal tract and create new permanent resonance versus what you see most of uh, store bought probiotics are transient. You take them, they work, they go through you, but they don't stick around. So, what I try to do with my patients and I 
sort of specialize in rebooting digestive strength for folks. Um, thus, my book, Eat Lead, is all about rebooting function and getting the environment to heal and repair. And it's just, to me, fascinating. Um, to me, it's just fascinating how it's fascinating how these microbes uh, really respond to you know a change in the environment. And then, of course, you can't take away the fact that the stress changes the environment as well. I just think it's fascinating. And we look at ancient wisdom, modern science. That's exactly what the ancient wisdom was telling us to do, and that's what the where the modern science is pointing us. So I think it's important. Sleep for your kids so critically important. Sleep has been shown. Lack of sleep for kids when they don't get to sleep late, well, it's been shown to increase the risk of diabetes and obesity. If they don't get enough sleep when they're a kid, it increases the risk of not getting sleep as an adult and therefore increases the risk of breast cancer. Um, less um, uh, uh, sleep causes kids to wake up and not have breakfast, and less breakfast causes deficiencies in, in iodine, in calcium, in magnesium, and also in iron and folic acid as well, or folate. So these are all things that are that are um, you know very very important as well. Um, so the other thing is uh, for sleep, you know, is making sure that you're you understand melatonin. Um, kids don't need melatonin, um, but they definitely need to understand it. Cortisol increases during the day to give you energy during the day. When the sun sets, melatonin increases to give you the ability to go to sleep. So maybe you need this much melatonin to go to sleep, but the rest of the melatonin cleans, repairs, detoxifies, protects you from the onset of bad bugs, protects you from a host of underlying degenerative imbalances, including aging. So a lot of people can push their body to the point where I just make enough melatonin to go to sleep, but I don't get the benefits of melatonin as a powerful you know, stimulant for detox, for repair, for rejuvenation. And that's what melatonin is all about. And that's what eight to nine hours of sleep will provide. And that's where all the research is pointing. If you need a little melatonin to hack the, and reset your circadian clock, that's fine. I'm a big fan of low dose melatonin. The health food stores, I'm talking about one, three, five, 10, 15 milligrams of melatonin. It's enough for a horse or dinosaurs, crazy amounts of melatonin where we give one drop of melatonin or liquid melatonin is 0.1 milligram. You can't buy a dose that small. Um, I take one drop on my finger and put it on my tongue every night before I go to bed to encourage the production of my own melatonin. That's what's neat about melatonin as well. It doesn't suppress the production of your own and it can hack the aging process. That's the reason why I take it, I'm 62. So, you know, as we get older, nature does have a way of getting rid of us. And, and uh, lacking the production of melatonin by your pineal gland is one of those ways. So a small dose to encourage the production as you get a little older, great way to stay young and healthy and vital. Um, and there's really good science. I've written tons of articles about that in the circadian uh, medicine section of my article. So check that out. For your kids, vitamin D in the winter, as we move into the winter when it's you know cold and flu season and the immune system needs to be really, really strong. You need good gut health, and you need really you need vitamin D. And uh, generally, between three to five thousand international units of vitamin D taken with your fattiest meal of the day is enough to help your kids be supported. Um, definitely, um, you know, kids going back to school uh, in September, you know, giving them a little bit of extra dose of vitamin D now 
will give them a little bit more significant, more immune support that may help them not get that fall back to school cold or then pass that around the, the house or, you know, to your babies or, or whatever that might be. Um, the other formula I love for back to school for kids is an herb called Chayavanfrash. I talk about that in the ebook as well and how what a powerful immune booster that is. It's still in my house if, with six kids and a lot of them older now, but I still have, you know, they keep coming back, right? And, uh, but whenever anybody gets sick, uh, we always just give them some of the Chayavanfrash, which is a herbal vitamin C, and they take five to 10 teaspoons before they go to bed and usually turn the, the cold around in its tracks. Um, so it's a, it's a powerful tool for, for keeping your kids healthy as they go back to school. Another thing I wrote about in my first book, Body, Mind, and Sport, was about sports and body type. I, you know, a recent article I wrote about kids uh, quitting organized sports, 70% of them by the time they were 13 years old. I just thought that was a phenomenal study, right? You know, it was another study that I wrote about in my book way back when, um, Body, Mind, Sport, which was that that 50% of American kids experienced their first major failure in life as a sports failure, which is really unacceptable when we think about it. And you wonder why 70% this is new studies, new science, 70% of kids drop out of organized sports. And I think that's crazy. 13 years old, you're talking about, you know, going into high school, you know, uh, the last year or so of middle school. And you're talking about, you know, they haven't even gotten to high school sports yet, and they're dropping, 70% of them drop out because they've been pushed so hard as little professional athletes throughout elementary school. Coaches driving them, parents screaming at them. Uh, it's just insane. I remember one time my, my son was, gosh, he was fourth grade maybe, and he was playing soccer, and uh, one of the moms was screaming at my son to be in the right position on the soccer field. And of course, my son, very sensitive kid, heard that. And after the game came off the field crying, never wanted to play again. That was it, because this lady was screaming at him to be in the right right place. You know, stuff like that. It's just crazy that we've got this culture where, where young kids, elementary school kids, are somehow carrying the torch for the the, the family crest to, to be great athletes. None of them are going to be professional athletes. 70% of them quit by the time they're 13 years old because they've been pushed so hard. So, so in this ebook, I talk about strategies to diffuse all that. Nose breathing exercise strategies have actually been shown in our research published in the International Journal of Neuroscience. When you breathe through your nose for your, and your kids do or you do, it actually flips your brain into an alpha state. We actually proved that when kids exercise, and they breathe through their nose, or adults do, their brains go into a meditative calm. So imagine exercising, put your brain in a meditative calm. Talk about the, 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 uh, the best race is my easiest race to experience. We've got this, this coexistence of opposite experiences. Dynamic activity, yet internally I'm at peace, completely composed and calm. This is what I call the eye of the hurricane effect. This is what we want during pregnancy. It's how you want to raise your family having that inner peace and calm of safety. But with that, the bigger the eye, the bigger the calm, the more powerful the winds you can support, the more stress you can endure in your life. But you're always hailing from that place of peace and calm. And that was the goal of Body, Mind, and Sport, my first book. Tons of articles to all for free. And my website, just type in nasal breathing exercise. But in the ebook, I take you step-by-step step through that process. I even take you step-by-step step through the understanding of 
what sport may be good for your child's body type, which is really important information too, because I just think it's fascinating information to understand your body type of your child. And I recommend taking those body type questionnaires to your kids, you know, every year or so because they keep changing and growing new traits and you kind of kind of pick up on who they are and who they aren't. Uh, I'll tell you one, one quick story that I had a, a, a years ago, I was working with a private school and when, when, I, when Body Mind Support first came out we were directing uh, kids to sports that were more suited to their body type where the President's Council of Fitness was encouraging kids to do the same exact President's test where the Pitta, fiery kids, aggressive kids, not really thin kids, not really heavy set kids with that middle frame kid were perfect and they would score a 10. Everybody else would sort of potentially fail the test. So the, you have the Vata kids, right, who are really you know, thin and they're quick, but they're not really, um, they're, they're not uh, as resilient, let's say, and maybe not athletically mature as the Pitta kids were fiery, competitive, and driven, they, they mature a little bit faster. And then the easygoing coffee kids aren't really, you know, they're really heavy in their body at that young age and they haven't grown out of that yet. So everybody's, they're developing and the Pitta kids are developed sort of the kind of thing, right? So this girl came up to me during this meeting with the, with the, uh, the AD, the athletic director of the school. And she said that uh, she had just ran the mile for under 10 minutes to pass the class and she failed. And she said, I, last year I trained like crazy and I finished in 11 minutes and 30 seconds and I failed. And this year I trained, 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 did everything I could and I just finished and I finished in 10 minutes and 30 seconds. You got to do it under 10 minutes to pass the class. And she said, I failed the class. And she came in saying with tears in her eyes, can you guys write me a note so I never have to go to gym class again? And we were like, whoa, this is crazy, right? So I, I looked at her and I said, you know, it's interesting that you say that because we're helping create a curriculum here where you guys can choose your sport based on your body type, what you're good at versus what you have to be good at to pass the class. So her eyes sort of lit up. Anyway, we did that. We implemented the program. Lots of stories I can tell you. I come back to this school six months later. I see her in the hall. True story. She runs up to me, big smile on her face, and says, Dr. 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 I said, yeah, how are you doing? She goes, I just came back from the regional championships as a race walker. Now, she was a bigger, heavyset, cough of body type, easy billing calm, great endurance, just came back from the regional championships as a race walker. And she said, guess what? I said, what? Because I just joined the basketball team. I said, what, really? She goes, yeah, you know the little Vata kids and Pitta kids? They pass the ball and dribble. I get rebounds. So all of a sudden, like, right, sports weren't this intimidating, scary thing for her, and she was willing to even sign up for the basketball team because she had a positive reinforcement of for doing something that she was, in fact, good at. So that's where in the ebook as well. This is all for free, the stuff you guys can get. You get information about, um, you know, about your kids, your body type, and, of course, our body type questionnaire is for free online. You can go to my website anytime and just do that. Um, and it's interactive, which is kind of cool. Um, and get information about your body type, and also then plug it in with the information from the ebook for your child and help direct them to something that they're actually good at versus what uh, we think they should be good at because everybody else is doing it or whatever the reason uh, might be. And, and um, so anyway, lots of really interesting uh, information there. Um, we move on in the, in the ebook to, to talking about technology and um, and um, 
this is a really crazy time, you know. Uh, we have six kids, and you know, my oldest now is thirty, my youngest is fifteen, still a sophomore in high school. So we've seen the gamut in the last thirty years of how to raise your kids. And, uh, you know, uh, I wrote a book called Perfect Health for Kids, all about raising kids, and you know, it was really great until technology came along, and now we have a whole new uh, paradigm of how to keep your kids healthy. Um, we know that that technology is linked to, you know, lack of sleep, linked to increased violence. We know it increases obesity, increased attention problems. You know, there's a host of concerns we have with technology. It can create more depression. Uh, we've seen that definitely teenage and college depressions and suicides are way up. Exactly what the cause of that is hard to say for sure, but there's definitely science linking more depression to the use of technology. So that's something for us to to, to understand and to look at. In the ebook, I, I go, there's quite a few pages just dedicated to understanding that and some of the things that you can do for that. Um, you know, one of my strategies, one of our strategies at home is that when the kids come home from school, they have to plug in their technology in the kitchen and they're not allowed to ever bring their technology into their uh, bedrooms. When they wanna play music, they have to, they have to um, Bluetooth it from their little speaker that they carry around with them. And they Bluetooth and they take it in the shower and they'll play music in the shower that's coming from the kitchen. Um, we don't let them sleep with their computer on. We don't let them sleep next to their phone because if you actually look ever at their history, you're gonna see that their phone was blowing up uh, at two or three or four in the morning because a lot of kids are just sitting there texting away in the middle of the night. Uh, it's unbelievably uh, crazy to me that that happens. So, so that's our rule. And if our kids don't do that, we have a 24-hour rule. They don't follow our rules, which is no technology in the room, no technology at night. They plug it in. If they don't do that, they lose their phone for 24 hours. Not like a yelling, screaming thing. It's just like we take it away uh, for 24 hours, and then they get it back. And then they know that we're serious about it. Um, so uh, that's sort of how we do it, and we, we, we modify it that way. The kids do their homework in the kitchen or in the living room or in the dining room. Everybody uh, does their homework together. They don't isolate themselves in their rooms with their technology. And then we have a senior in high school now and a sophomore in high school now, and that's how we do it. Because I think when they get in their room and their technology, it's just like whatever they're doing, you don't know, I don't know. It's just a, it's a, it's a but when they're in there with everybody else, um, it's just uh, you know a safer place for them to be. Uh, in terms of they should be doing their homework, they're doing their homework. It's so easy for them to get to get lost in Snapchat or whatever thread that they're doing. It's sort of crazy, but uh, that's how we do it. It seems to work. I'm not saying that uh, it's a perfect, cleanest solution to all the technology problems, but uh, uh, we found that we found that when our, when our kids, uh, when we implemented that program, it totally changed their behavior and their mood in so many ways. So. Uh, so uh, I think sure there's other factors there as well that are that are uh, you know very very important as well. Um, so um, and then um, you know I also wrote I thought was sort of interesting as well um, a uh, a a little study guide or, or or article for healthy college students seven strategies for kids in college to navigate the craziness of college which is being up, you know, very, very late. 
uh, all the stress that goes with college, the cramming that goes with college, the bad food. We have, how many kids now? At least four of our six kids have been to college already. And then not one of them have ever said the food is any good in the, you know, in the, in the kitchen or in the cafeteria. Uh, and then, of course, there's partying that, that seems to be a factor as well. And they're linked to a host of concerns like acne and insomnia and digestive concerns and constipation and hormonal imbalances and, and concentration issues and ups and downs in moods, which we all know. And, and if not to mention the technology is a piece of that, but, um, but also so is... Um, you know, just the environment that exists in colleges. So I put together an article, which is in the ebook as well, with a lot of herbal strategies and lifestyle strategies to help, you know, support them. And so they can, uh, they can, they can, you know, help get, you know, a chance to support themselves. You know, the, the, um, the, the, the late nights that they're in, I remember I, my son, who's, now 26, um, his uh, five, I think. Um, he, when he first went to college at Ithaca in New York, uh, after maybe two months into college, I went out and visited him. And uh, he said, why don't you just sleep in my dorm? Which I did. And so I slept in his bed. And uh, the roar, this is a weekday night, the roar of the partying both in the hall and outside the window in the area outside was so loud it didn't even slow or stop until around two in the morning. You know, I was like, wow, how do we ever get anything done here? You know what I mean? So luckily he was someone who was able to figure it out and, uh, and uh, literally became an RA and posted this article in his, in his dorm for his kids to know. But strategies like making sure they get enough vitamin D in the wintertime, Kids get low on vitamin D, there goes their immune strength. When they don't sleep at night, their adrenals start to borrow from Peter to pay Paul, and they start to create, they start to become adrenal deficient. And those adrenals are little tiny glands, which aren't brilliant. And all they know is their job is to make energy. If they have to borrow it, they're gonna. So they can go and make you crave sugar and Red Bull and caffeine, and, and then drive your body to make energy it doesn't have, which forces you to go further into debt. They can rob energy from your, your hormones. Progesterone, for example, um, can be usurped to make cortisol energy and, and leave women with higher levels of unopposed estrogen, which makes the body think, I have high estrogen, and they start gaining weight. Um, it can also drive the production of more testosterone, which is a, a stress response hormone, and therefore give them acne as well. Low progesterone can cause acne. High testosterone can cause testosterone can cause acne. So when we push the body that hard, it can create a real problem. So I always said to my kid, you know, vitamin D, a little bit of ashwagandha. Ashwagandha is one of the classic brain-derived neurotropic factors to support the ability to make better brain cells, which unfortunately sometimes in colleges they're um, a little reckless about. Um, so ashwagandha is really important in that regard to give them the adaptogenic protective support. It's one of those herbs you can take before you go to bed, sleep like a baby, and have the energy in the morning to go run a marathon or take a test. So it's really, you know, it's, so it's not stimulating them like a Red Bull to stay up and study and cram, but it's not sedating them to make them exhausted, you know, and, and make them more sleepy. It's deep, deep rejuvenation, which they seem to be 
desperately need. I also talked about, you know, college kids to, you know, really understand that, you know, if you got to stay up late and cram, you know, uh, of course, I would love to tell them all the time. I did actually once. I gave a lecture many, many years ago at the uh, at CU Colorado University here in Boulder. Gosh, it must have been 20 years ago, more, 25 years ago, easy. And I talked about going to bed early because that was the irritating thing, going to bed at 10 o'clock. And, and the, the, the group in this college class looked at me and said, you're seriously telling us to go to bed at 10 o'clock? And I was like, yeah. You know, and I realized that probably not going to get that much traction to tell these kids that they should go to bed every night at 10 o'clock. I think it's important for them to understand the circadian rhythms and the circadian clock and know that they're breaking the rules and to do whatever they can to get back in sync. So I think that's important. But also sleep is important even whenever they can get it. You know, if they can take a nap in the middle of the day and uh, to, to study and cram a night for them, it's the best, it's the lesser of two evils. So there's a ton of information in this ebook about kids and colleges and how to navigate all that kind of stuff and how important it is. And then we go into the adult life and how to live your life in harmony with the daily routines and the daily cycles, understanding more about nature and as an adult getting out into the forest and getting out into nature. Ayurveda said that the being in nature increases what's called ojas. And, um, and ojas is uh, something that increases vitality and virility and, and immunity and how it's so important and it comes from that sattvic lifestyle, that peaceful, calm lifestyle. Eating foods that are wholesome, not preserved or processed, that are cooked and whole, these are all ojas building agents. Foods for pregnancy that are ojas builders uh, are like dates and almonds and coconut and ghee and raw honey, uh, saffron, wow, powerful. Ojas builder, you don't need very much, thank goodness. Uh, powerful Ojas builder, ghee, powerful Ojas builder. Good quality cow's milk, non-homogenized, non-pasteurized, cream on top, that pasteurized, so it's been boiled. Uh, milk is just, you know, a powerful Ojas builder. There's good science behind the proteins in that milk that actually help lower cortisol levels and therefore help you increase Ojas and melatonin at night. So that's uh, some really interesting and powerful science. You can use almond milk or coconut milk as well if you don't like cow's milk. But the point is, is that there are many foods that build ojas. Ashwagandha, ojas builder. Shatavri, an Ayurvedic herb uh, as well, um, is another ojas builder. Uh, so there are a lot of food herbs and foods you can take to build ojas. Getting out into nature, very, very important to help support and strengthen your vitality. Very, very important. Dinacharya in Ayurveda is the, is the lifestyle. What do you do in the, in the daytime? You know, getting up in the morning and, and, uh, and things like that. Um, and uh, let me just check on something here. Um, see if you guys are texting me. And uh, hmm. So keep texting me. I some some I'm not seeing any of these uh, questions coming up here. So uh, please text me along the way here because we're we're going to get ready to answer some questions if you guys have them. Um, so um, Dinacharya is waking up in the morning, right? And then what you do during the day and going to bed. And I give you step by step procedure in the ebook of exactly how to do that, which I think is really really valuable. You don't have to do every single step. 
but you know, getting up in the morning, you know, we talk about, you know, scraping your tongue. First thing you should probably do is scrape your tongue. What that does is it stimulates your digestion, literally changes the microbes in your mouth. It supports dental hygiene. There's bugs in your mouth. One called Streptococcus mutans, which is bad, not so good, responsible for about 60% of arterial plaque. And now they're leaking that same bug to brain plaque, cognitive decline. So really important that we're finding is that the teeth, we're not, I'm not finding it, I'm just reading it uh, and sharing it with you. But they're finding the link between um, the microbes in your mouth and the health of your heart and your brain and maybe other things as well. So it is a barrier. We always talk about the skin and your mouth and digestion as a protective barrier. This is a protective barrier. That barrier has to be sealed up and strong and healthy. Abiyanga, oil massage on your skin, protects the barrier. Taking ghee inside your intestinal tract, good quality oils, you know, oil foods that have lots of natural good oils in them, nuts and seeds, ghee, um, coconut oil, these olive oil, good quality. All those support the health and integrity of the intestinal skin because the bugs love oil. They love good fatty acids. Um, and how important that is to protect and heal and seal this protective barrier. Scraping your tongue literally helps get rid of some of the streptococcus mutans. Everybody talks about doing oil pulling where you swish the oil, sesame oil and coconut oil in your mouth for 10 to 15 minutes. Studies show that when you do that, you swish it in the mouth while you're showering, you're washing yourself and you're swishing that oil. The more you swish it, you pre-digest the coconut oil and it activates a saponification, a sudsy kind of effect where it becomes cleansing and actually increases the a, a substance where the lauric acid in the coconut oil becomes what's called monolaurin, which becomes a powerful immune stimulator. And they found that when you, when you pre-digest coconut oil, it boosts this antimicrobial effect, which is exactly what happens when you put the oil in your mouth and you swish it. You are literally pre-digesting with the digestive enzymes in your mouth. So it's just crazy when you think about how Ayurveda knew thousands of years ago. You got to put oil in your mouth in the morning. And if you don't swish it around for 10 minutes or so, you don't pre-digest it enough to make it have this powerful, powerful effect on sealing your mouth, which we now know bugs like streptococcus mutans can get into your bloodstream and cause issues with your heart, your arteries, and your brain. Like, it's crazy, right? So keeping the skin healthy. They didn't have dental floss back then, which would be a really good idea to do as well, because that even makes the, the gums even more resilient. They did have neem leaves though, and they would take neem sticks and they would brush your teeth. And guess what the studies on neem show? That when you put neem in your mouth in the morning, it actually breaks up biofilm. And guess what plaque is? A biofilm, that's exactly what plaque is. So neem was used historically, maybe the first toothbrush, spray a neem stick and brush your teeth with neem sticks, still done today, was actually a remover of dental oral biofilm, reducing plaque, plaque breaks down the gums, the gums become porous, and you have the opportunity for opportunistic bugs to penetrate. How crazy amazing is that? Then you swish with oil and you then seal it all up with all these you know, vitamin E and calcium and nutrients in the, in the oils that support that and change the microbiome in your mouth. So these are some of the things that you learn from an Ayurvedic Dimitaria, which is in this strategy. And after that, so about yoga and breathing and exercise and meditation, um, my, one of my favorite meditation techniques I wrote about is called the one minute meditation, where you can just do a 30 seconds of Bastrika breathing, followed by 30 seconds of being still. You know, I talked about like, why is it that people um, 
don't meditate or can't stick with their meditation is because it's it's something that we should have, we should live in that peaceful and that silence place and it's hard for us to kind of shut it down. Well, the one minute meditation is really easy because it's a minute. So it's 30 seconds of breathing and uh, which looks something like this, just closing your eyes. Do that 30 times and then be still for 30 seconds. One minute and you'll feel dramatically more peaceful at the end of that experience. Check it out. There's a video online. You can watch it. It's in the ebook. A link to that. You can watch it as well. Um, so someone's asking about setting up an Ayurvedic class locally and what some of the tips they would do it. How do I do it? I would highly suggest you read the ebook about all these tips I'm going through. The ebook for a healthy family is all about what to do for pregnancy, what to do as a child, what to do as a young adult, as a teenager, as, a, as an adult, and even as an older adult, how to maintain them. Here we are sort of wrapping it up with the, uh, with the idea of living a, a, a life in sync with those rhythms. Um, one minute meditation, yoga, breathing, getting good exercise, moving your body, critically important. We don't be sedentary. And if you are sedentary behind a desk, you need, to, you need to get up, move around during the day, but also make sure you get out and exercise at least a half an hour every day. Get that body moving as a bare minimum. Um, bigger lunches, uh, lighter dinners. Science shows that when you have a big lunch and a big breakfast, that uh, compared to a big breakfast and a, a big lunch and a big supper, people lose weight better with breakfast and lunch than lunch and supper. Same amount of calories is when you eat the food is critical. Uh, when you go to bed is critical. Let's say you went to bed at 12 o'clock tonight. You woke up tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. I would venture to say that most of you feel would feel tired, lethargic, like you slept too much. Let's say the very next night you went to bed instead of 12 o'clock and woke up at 10 o'clock in the morning feeling overslept, like you overslept and you're stiff and achy. Let's say you went to bed at 8 o'clock tonight and you woke up tomorrow at 6 a.m. How would you feel in comparison? My guess is you would feel a lot better, a lot more light and, and ready to get out of bed because you went to bed at eight and woke up at six. They're both 10 hours of sleep. The experience of both those nights of sleep dramatically different. So when you get the food, when you get the sleep, it matters because we are circadian beings. And Ayurvedic medicine talked about circadian medicine thousands of years ago, how to live in sync. So I'll back now by Nobel Prize winning science on circadian medicine. And I write about that in the ebook and give you the science in many of my articles, in, we have a whole section of articles on called circadian medicine. We can look at the science between what the ancient wisdom said and what the new modern science says. Let me see some more questions here. Uh, I have a lot of bloating issues. Um, I have ulcers. Uh, doctor said I have Crohn's disease. What do you recommend? Well, I would actually probably recommend reading my book, Eat Wheat. Um, also, if you don't want to buy the book or read it, I get it. Um, I have, if you go to the digestive section of my website, you'll see a ton of articles on how to troubleshoot and dissect digestive imbalances. The reason why I said eat wheat, because eat wheat talks about, goes to you through sort of an organized step-by-step -step guide of troubleshooting which part of your digestive system may have gone wacky on you and how to restore that with whole foods and herbs in a natural way to reboot function and not be, can be, be dependent on a pill or a powder, a digestive enzyme or a probiotic to sort of give you temporary relief that eventually will stop working. Not a big fan of getting people on stuff that they can't get off of. It's all about 
self-sufficiency and rebooting function, not being dependent on a new pillar of powder. Hope that hope that makes sense. Um, scrape your tongue before brushing the teeth. Yeah, I think the very first thing you should do when you wake up is scrape your tongue because your tongue is full of, you know, uh, the, uh, metabolites from digestion through the night. You scrape it. Um, even getting way back to even sort of gag a little bit to really clean out your throat as well. Not a bad idea. It was sort of the traditional way of doing it. Uh, a great way to do that, scraping your tongue. And then floss and then brush your teeth after. And then oil pull. Wow. You have the happiest, cleanest mouth on the planet if you did that every single day. Um, we take Chayavon Price daily um, on our seed crackers. However, you mentioned when you have a cold to take six teaspoons at night. So it's best to take it only at night. No, 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 no. It's, it's great on a seed cracker as a daily sort of multi-mineral antioxidant boost and an immune boost every day on your cracker for breakfast. But if you, someone does come down and they're sick and they're feeling really bad and it's nighttime, it's a great thing of the glass of water for them to take it and give them that nighttime immune boost so they can wake up better. So I use it only as an immune boost, but on a daily, you know, taking it daily is a great way to do it. Um, suggestions for improving brain health. Well, uh, uh, well, brain health is important from the perspective of, um, you know, diet for sure. Really good fats as opposed to really bad fats. We've been put, putting, the food industry has been putting highly processed polyunsaturated fatty acids, canola, oil, sunflower oil, safflower oil in most of our foods to preserve those foods so they don't go bad. And the reason they don't go bad is because the bugs don't like them, won't eat that stuff. So when you put it in your mouth, your bugs won't eat it. And that's who's supposed to eat it. So where do all those fats go? They go to your liver, they go to your gallbladder, and they create bile sludge. And they create real digestive problems. So, and the fats are for your brain. Your brain is 60% fat. So if you can't deliver good fats because your liver is so bogged down with bad fats, you're in big trouble. So good quality olive oil, ghee, coconut oil, if you're a fish eater, sardines and salmon, salmon, very, very important. Good quality fish oils are great. We use one called mini omega, which is actually the fish oil in a triglyceride form, which is the form that our lymphatic system sucks up fats. Your lymph system is the system that takes fats to every cell of your body and delivers those fats as energy to every cell of your body. If that lymph system is boggy because of poor digestion from where it starts, your lymph will become boggy, your belly will become big. When you menstruate, your breasts will swell, become tender, you'll break out because that is a lymphatic challenge. So the lymph system is a very important system for not only detoxifying you and supporting immune function, but also getting the good fats to deliver energy to every cell of your body, including brain health. So good fats, and then there's this, what are called the brain-derived neurotropic factors, things that we know for scientific fact are phenomenal for brain health. And three of the four are Ayurvedic herbs. I think that's pretty amazing. Of course, fish oils are really important, and that's one of the brain-derived neurofactor, neurotropic factors, which means builds brain cells. Ashwagandha, a brain-derived neurotropic factor. Turmeric, a brain-derived neurotropic factor. And Bacopa, another brain-derived neurotropic factor. Those are three herbs, powerful. I take those every day, hoping that I keep my, my head on straight uh, as I get older. Um, I take a little bit of one drop of melatonin, which is supports brain health as you get older as well. I take fish oils and I do eat fish. Uh, I'm not a vegetarian, tried that, didn't work for me. So I do eat sardines and salmon, but I generally don't eat any chicken or meat of any kind, just pescatarian. 
Um, and, uh, and I try to keep my digestive health system strong because the toxins that are in some of those fish, although fish and sapsoidines are, are very, very low in any toxin, particulates, mercury, things like that, um, by keeping my digestion strong. Because we do have the ability, believe it or not, to break down mercury and get rid of it. But if your digestion breaks down, then you are trying to allow environmental pollutants and pesticides and preservatives and toxins, which are fat soluble, to find their way into the fat in your body as storage sites and even into your brain. So there you have it. Um, so uh, long answer to that question, but that's what I would uh, that's what I would recommend. Um, let's see here. Um, I, I had a nurse recommend magnesium. Do you know much about it? Well, magnesium is a mineral that is definitely one of the deficiencies that affect more than half the world's population. I've written a lot about uh, magnesium and potassium. In fact, we have a supplement that's called magnesium and potassium because whenever you have low magnesium, you will absolutely have low potassium. So taking magnesium without potassium is not probably a really good idea. Of course, magnesium with calcium, but get your calcium from your food. Get your calcium from your lettuce and your spinach and your and your kale and your and your vegetables. Easy to get a thousand plus milligrams of calcium per day if you eat healthy. But magnesium can be a little bit more challenging. And when you look at hunter-gatherers versus modern humans, and there was a book that did this called The Story of the Human Body by Dr. Daniel Lieberman, a Harvard professor. And he found that there were two things that jumped off the page that hunter-gatherers did that we didn't do. And one is that they ate about five times more fiber in their diet than we did. They had 100 grams per day. We had 20, right? So more fiber in their diet, more whole foods, tubers, nuts, seeds, grains, you know, chia seeds, flax seeds, another great source of oil for the brain as well. Really, really important, right? And the other thing was potassium. They suggested that seven to 11,000 milligrams per day is what hunter-gatherers ate. Average American gets about three to 700 milligrams versus seven to 11,000 milligrams. So many people have a deficiency in, in potassium and magnesium and of course the fiber. So that's why we put together a formula called potassium and magnesium to support those two minerals that are grossly deficient in so many people. But we also have a, what's called essential minerals, which are just baseline mineral support, broad spectrum. It's one of the highest sources of absorbable minerals that we have that are published. The company publishes their absorption rates, which most mineral companies won't do because they're embarrassingly low. Um, and I take, sometimes I'll take one every two or three days or three or four days of the minerals just to give myself baseline mineral support of those trace minerals that, yes, are probably deficient in the soil and the foods we eat. So that's how I do it. I hope that makes sense. Um, and uh, looking here for any more questions. Um, looks like we have everybody. I might have missed a few here. But anyway, uh, I would encourage you all to, to uh, get the ebook. It's loaded with juicy information for you and your family. Like I said, it's all free. You can download that. You get the link in your inbox. Uh, so you can download that, get the, the CD, uh, audio tape, video audio tape as well. And then, of course, um, please, tomorrow, the question, your digestion uh, free training comes out. A lot of you um, struggle with digestive issues. It's the epidemic of our time. It's the kingpin of our health. Ayurveda says 85% of all disease comes from digestive issues. So, you know, that's why I wrote this course or, or filmed this course 
question your digestion because we should literally question our digestion first and then use natural herbs and foods to help bring it back into balance, including lifestyle, diet, exercise, and a good healthy routine to help bring that back. And it's so doable. And I really can tell you that I feel like my digestion at 62 is so much better than it was at 42, I gotta tell you. And so I keep trying to help improve my, my own digestion and I still work with patients to this day, helping them tackle some of the most challenging digestive concerns. So, you know, I'm, I feel like I am very much on the cutting edge of trying to help folks get self-sufficient with regard to their digestion. And then from there, the first domino, the body can do what it was designed to do, which is take care of itself. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you next month. John, stay tuned for our, 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 our look on our website for our podcast. We have lots of exciting guests coming up in the near future. So uh, stay tuned for our podcast next month. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Deere.